So I'm a doctor of psychology. Uh, what does that mean? It means if you really hurt yourself, the best I can do is ask you how you feel. I can't fix anything like an actual real doctor, eh? like a medical <laughs> doctor. But it does mean I understand a bit about human behaviour, and I was motivated to pursue this path because I was so off the path when I was younger. Uh, I was a drug-addicted teen. When I was 18, I was in prison for murder, for killing my drug dealer. Spent 10 years, 10 months in there, and that's where I found education, and education was the path out of the darkness of my own ignorance and it presented me with an opportunity to have a positive life where I try now to uh, have an impact on other people, an impact that's positive, you know. So that's what I spend my time doing. This episode of A Beacon of Hope is proudly brought to you by Campfire Studios. To find out more, visit campfirestudios.co.nz. Two, three, four... A Beacon of Hope is a weekly podcast that shines a light on the human spirit and explores the power of hope in our lives. Join me, Will Fleming, as I talk to people from all walks of life about where they find hope and how they use it to navigate life's challenges. Be good. Be safe. And be happy. Dr. Paul Wood... I want to say hello, and we've spent more time officially on microphones and cameras than uh, in real life, and I'm cool with that because when I know you're in town, I try and scheme my way in to meet you again and and continue this uh, ongoing conversation, which has been – it's nearly a decade old Mm. of me and you sitting down pondering life. It's the normal now, but when we started, it was quite new and a buzz. The weird thing for me is it's still new and a buzz because human connection is where it's at. And normally in these sessions, I blabber my heart and soul from the depths of depths to you. Mm. But in this session, session, in this podcast, in this (laughs) podcast – Oh, yeah, like, there we go. There the we go. Here. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I uh, I leveraged AI to tell me oh, what fantastic. Your... I want to talk about AI too. Absolutely, but I, I've asked it to ring fence the things that people want to know Wicked. about the skill set you've um, earned. And so there's three areas: there's uh-huh. success and personal development, mm-hmm. and it's highlighted something called reasoning. It's uh, mental fitness and resilience, again, yeah, yeah. Um, and leadership and team building. So yeah. I thought our chat will be quick, yeah, but cool. it can go over some of those things. Uh, top 10, it said here, I don't think go through 10, but the things internet wanted to know most is the strategies for personal growth. So really, I just want to ask you if you can share a strategy for personal Oof. growth that will work for someone at the top of the pile, someone at the bottom 100%. of the pile. Shrink the horizon. Stop focusing on some like imaginary future point and just focus on what you want to look like tomorrow, okay? Like what's one small commitment I can make today that tomorrow when I make, when I wake up is going to make me feel that I achieve something meaningful in terms of who I want to become? Small as. Go small don't focus on a long-term future. Focus on tomorrow. Love that idea. What's something? What's that for you today? Because I really want nice. to make sure that it's not always just about you're more than Paul years ago. 
you're this evolving character too. You're a father, you're a husband, you're a m- member of society. Of course. Hey, look, the, the, the story of Paul years ago is something I continue to share only because I know it adds value to other people. It doesn't add any particular value to me. Mm. I mean, like, I look at it and I go, what? Was that real? You know, it seems so different than who I am today in my life today that sometimes it's hard to sort of like really sort of merge those. Yep. So, you know, a few years ago, I was like, oh, I'm not going to talk about my background anymore. I've done enough of that. You know, I'm going to focus on the future, focus on this stuff. But one of my key deliverables as a human being is positively impacting others. And I just get enough feedback from other people who hear my story for the first time that actually, even though I might feel a bit ho-ha, I might feel a bit, you know, over it, whatever, mm. that it adds enough value for other people for me to get past myself in that respect. But, yeah, it's not particularly relevant to me. The sort of thing I would think of today is more like, okay, well, like a small commitment I could make today where tomorrow I'd wake up closer to being the person I want to grow into would be to go, when I put my kids to bed tonight, I won't have my phone on me, right? Uh, Or when I uh, arrive home tonight after this, for the first half an hour I'm in the door, I'm not going to have my phone on me so that I can be more present with them, right? Yeah. Because my kids get bloody spoilt with all of these crappy, bloody expensive presents and that. I'm I'm one of those parents back in my day, <laughs> you know. God, isn't it great, eh? And you become your parents. Ooh, that's a scary prospect, eh? But I'm one of those. And look, the reality is, is in terms of my kids, when they're adults and they look back on me as a parent, the thing that's going to have the biggest impact on how they perceive that is the quality of our interactions, not any of the crap that they get or anything like that. And the easiest way that I can increase the quality of our interactions is by just being more present with them. I don't even need to spend more time with them. I just need to make sure the time I do spend with them is time where I'm genuinely present and attentive and with them. And I'm one of these people, I'm so addicted to my phone that even if I'm not looking at it, I will be aware of what pocket it's in. There will be a part of my mind that will be devoted to that, to mm. its location. Mm. And I guarantee you I'm not unusual in that. That's how addictive they are. And it's a barrier for me being present with my kids. Mm. So the small commitment is just that, hey, first half an hour or during bedtime, not have it on me. And then tomorrow I wake up and I'm like, hell yeah, that's the kind of person I am. I'm the kind of person who's present with their kids. Yeah, that's awesome. And then that just encourages them. And then you just build upon that, right? Whereas, like, for example, the recommendation is have a a technology-free day a week. That's the recommendation. That's too big a goal. Shrink the horizon. Spend 15 minutes, 30 minutes without your phone on you, you know, when you're with people who matter to you. Mm. It's beautiful because we're not just addicted to our phone. It's the the AirPods. I know where they are. It's the charger. I know where that is. Oh, Wild. Man. They've got us by the ghoulies. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to achieving career goals. What's a key step in a mindset shift that one should take to achieve their career goal? Mm. Uh, recognize when you're in destiny and when you're in legacy. Those are two different phases. You know, like when you're younger, you're in destiny. It's like, what's my destiny? What can I pursue? I want to maximize my potential. I want to strive. And that's a period where, you know, your focus is far more on, you know, what can I achieve through sacrifice at this point? 
But there is a point where you shift and it becomes more legacy and you go, well, what can I leave behind? You know, what can I contribute to others? And I think being able to recognize the difference between those phases is important because if you continue to measure yourself based on uh, destiny once you're sort of shifting into that legacy age, then you're going to have a harder time transitioning. And I, I'm I'm in this phase because I'm sort of midlife at the moment. You know, I'm in my mid forties. I look in the mirror, and I'm like, "Who's that old guy?" <laughs> I heard this the other day, right? Which which I, I love because everything for me is like evolutionary lens. Eh? Like understand yourself, understand your ancestors. We've got a Stone Age brain in a modern world, and our ancestors didn't tend to live beyond their thirties. And so I heard this theory the other day that you can continue to uh, really sort of like understand aging up until about the age of 39. So up until that period, you can look in the mirror and look at yourself and go, yeah, that's me, I understand that. But beyond the age of about 39, you can't conceptualize yourself as being older. So when you look in the mirror, you are surprised by how old you are <laughs> because you haven't moved past that. You've been stuck at that period. Does that make sense? Yeah, shit, yeah. Yeah. It oh. <laughs> makes too much sense. Honestly, and I've had a hard life. Bro. I mean, God, look, look, God, I'm not moaning. Don't catch okay? yourself. Don't catch yourself. I'm not yourself. moaning. I hear you. But I, I have had a life where, you know, my face. You deserve a frown here I, I love that there's this Mark Twain quote, right, which is, by the time you're 40, you got the face that you deserve. <laughs> Smile lines or wrinkles, bro, eh? One way or the other. And I've definitely got an expressive face. Oh, I love it. Building self-confidence. For someone struggling with self-confidence, yep. just an actionable step that they can um, build and sustain. Absolutely. Stop focusing on self-confidence. Self-confidence is something you get as a byproduct of having the courage to take action. Focus on building your courage. Confidence will come with that. And I'll tell you, here's another big thing as well. Often we have this mistaken idea about confidence where it's like, yeah, I got this. Yeah, I'm all going to succeed and all of this. Forget about that. The confidence that you want to work on is this. Even though I might fail, even though I feel uncomfortable and uncertain, I'm going to figure it out. Mm. I'm going to be all right. If I fail, I'm going to learn from it and come back stronger. You know, your confidence can't depend upon external outcomes. It needs to be that idea that, hey, I'm going to have the courage to take action even though I don't know I'll succeed, and I'm going to be confident that I'll be all right. That's the key. Any tips on being a better communicator? Oh, geez. (laughs) It's a a difficult one. Here's what I would say. Self-monitor and stop saying um and ah. Stop using unnecessary fillers. It's something I did over the years when I started public speaking, and I feel it's made me a far better communicator, is not using unnecessary verbal utterances. Love that. What about procrastination? Thoughts on that? Ooh. Well, there's different (laughs) types of procrastinators, right? Okay. So it's interesting to think about what type of procrastinator you are because there's like the – Fear of failure procrastinator, where I'll go, I'm not even going to try anything where I may not succeed because I'd rather be perceived as lazy than as not capable, right? And it's this fear of failure. And it's a real fixed mindset procrastinator. Whereas actually, you know, the idea that you are better off taking action and failing and learning from it because that's how you grow, that's the way which is consistent with reality. 
So the fear of failure procrastinator, you know, they need to overcome that fixed mindset. But then you've got other types of procrastinators, right? You've got the like uh, too many choices procrastinator. Oh, the like uh, paralysis through analysis. Oh, gosh, I just don't know what the right option is. But again, there, the focus needs to be to go, I actually, the goal here is progress. It's not immediate resolution and definitely getting it right. And what we know from the research is that people would rather be around someone who makes the wrong choice and undertakes the wrong actions than someone who does nothing. Mm. You know, and that's useful from a leadership perspective too. Mm. A bias for action. Have a bias for action, but also the humility and the self and situational awareness to pay attention to the outcomes so that you can change tack if you need to. Make sense? Absolutely. It's so unfair. Oh, just oh, my... oh, the last procrastinator. Okay, okay, Sorry, okay. bro. Last procrastinator before I forget. The last minute wonder. <laughs> and this is the person who works better under pressure because they like that little dopamine hit of the pressure. And they're like, oh, no, put it off, put it off, put it off. Oh, it needs to be done now. Get it done now. But actually, you know, that's just about personal discipline. And here's a technique for anyone procrastinating who wants to overcome it. One thing I find really useful is you ring fence your time. And what that means is you go, okay, I'm going to put this time right now on my calendar for this. And I don't have to do it but I'm not allowed to do anything else. Mm. So if I don't do that task, then I just have to sit there and do nothing. I'm not allowed to answer other emails. I'm not allowed to go on social media. So you ring fence the time. It's for this or for nothing. And it goes back to that shrinking the horizons piece I mentioned earlier too. Break it into smaller chunks. Love that. Love that so much. A couple more. Uh, What do you think when I say work-life balance? Bullshit. (laughs) Bullshit is what I think. I think it's one of these rods that we use to bloody flagellate ourselves. Oh, I'm supposed to have work-life balance. I've seen that yoga instructor in that tree pose. That's what I'm striving for. Nah, load of rubbish, man. Life's dynamic. What life requires from you, the type of balance required, I I love this analogy. Um, A guy I know, um, uh, Digby Scott, who does leadership stuff, He's the first person I heard mention this, and it's the idea that real work-life balance is like having a barrel on its side with a plank on it, where you're standing on the plank, and you're constantly having to readjust your weight to maintain your balance. Life is dynamic. It requires you to constantly readjust your priorities and your focus in order to make sure that you can maintain functionality in a complex life, eh? And life complexity is important, by the way. One of the things we know from psychology is that if you're too focused on one area, um, you know, to the to the exclusion of others, then you're far less likely to be able to adapt and to be able to be resilient to life's challenges and struggles and failures. Whereas when you have these multiple areas where you invest and where you see value, it's way easier if one area is not going well to to still flourish. I tell you something else I think is important on that note as well is that you know, we'll have different parts of our lives, different areas where we feel more or less competent than others. And we really need to watch that because the feeling of competence is a fundamental human driver, the pursuit of mastery, getting better at stuff that matters to us. But the problem is, is that if we feel competent in one area of our life that matters to us and less competent in other areas that might be equally or even more important, what we can find ourselves doing is gravitating more towards where we feel competent and spending less time in the areas where we don't feel as confident. Mm. What does that often look like? Um, workaholics. 
I feel competent at work, not so much at home, so I'll spend more time at work. Whereas actually what we want to be able to do is to go, this is an important area of my life too. I'm going to invest more into this to increase my competence here. Yeah. Do you have a favorite stress management technique? Yeah. Uh, exercise for sure. Judo is my primary sport. Oh, my gosh. You know, anything that gets you present is key in terms of stress management, right? But, like, for me, combat sports, oh, my gosh. If you're not present, you're going to get some real tangible feedback. You're going to get it regardless. So for me, when I engage in that activity, it's primal, you know. Oh, it's very homoerotic too, the grappling. Oh, you've got to love that, eh? You know, wrestling with some other sweetie guys. Hey, can't say no to that. But uh, also as well, you know, it's like high octane, it's high energy, it's skill-based, and it's social. It's just got all of these ingredients that come together, fully in the moment, fully exhausted. It's just great. Love mm. it. Just to end, personal you know, because those were kind of uh, created for me. Mm. I've been listening to a lot of Arnold recently, Schwarzenegger. Oh, and yeah. um, he's the man. You know, I grew up with the dude. And and he's awesome. He's talking lately about having a vision uh-huh. and not relying on a plan B. Can I just get your thoughts on both of those? Those are, I've always had a plan B, not by choice. Interesting. I just come from that yeah. trampoline of love. But I don't want to plan B anymore. I need to get out there and mix and mingle with life. Uh, so talk to me about not having a plan B and how to create a bigger vision. It's so bloody interesting, eh? Because the first thing that comes to mind when you talk about that is like um, Cortez burning the boats, you know, when the Spaniards arrived and in Latin America, there's like, you're not going home. So forget about that. We're burning the boats on the beach here, eh? There's no plan B. Or, you know, like um, Caesar crossing the Rubicon, there's no going back now. You know, war has been declared. And so I think there's value in that. But, man, I don't know. eh? I think think it really depends on the circumstances you're in. And I think the most important thing, actually, from my perspective, is having a vision about the type of person you want to be and you want to grow into. And the cool thing I like about that is, is that's more adaptable across situations. I think having a clear vision of what the future looks like is more difficult in the uncertain world we now live in, mm. where it's hard to know what the future looks like. It's so much rapid change. A lot of us have heard of VUCA before, which is a military term, which stands for volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. That's the environment of war. That used to be the real popular one. Uh, now the big one in the military they use is polycrisis, right? And this is where you've just got multiple different crises going on at the same time. The world is messier to a greater extent than it's ever been, I think. And I think one thing that we can control regardless of what the world looks like is the type of person we want to grow into in terms of our values, in terms of our attributes. And so personally for me, that's probably more what I would focus on than this vision for the future. That said, you know, someone like Arnold, you know, his area that he focused on and all of the different things that he has achieved have been very tangible career areas. And I think some people are like that. My wife's like that, right? Like mountain biking, high-performance coaching, those types of things. 
Whereas if you're a bit looser like me, then it might be more useful to just focus on who you want to become and then just see what amazing situations you find yourself in. Well, hey. Here's what I can control. Mm. I can wrap this podcast up because you've been going since 4 mm. o'clock. You told mm. me off mm. here. Uh, it's always nice to see you, Paul. Thank you for doing a rapid round with me. Bro, I have to do one more thing, though. I okay. need to talk about chat GPT oh, sure, sure. before we wrap up because this is like AI generator. Mm-hmm. Okay, now, anyone who knows me, anyone who spends any amount of time with me will realize pretty quickly that I'm someone who likes to think they're pretty funny, okay? Someone who places <laughs> value on humor. And particularly because my story is a dark story, a dark story, eh? It's one that naturally lends itself to humor and actually requires humor as part of the telling. Because if I go along and do a keynote for a conference, I don't want people walking away going, oh, man, that was pretty heavy. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I have to inject levity. And so – when I became aware of ChatGPT at the beginning of the sort of year, I was aware of it before then, but when I tried to use it, I thought, okay, are there any prison jokes that I'm not aware of that I'm missing that I could incorporate? I've got some good ones myself. So I thought, oh, I'll use ChatGPT. I'll try it out. ChatGPT, isn't it, right? And so I went in there and I went, oh, best prison jokes. <laughs> and it came back and it said, oh, Justice-affected people might be upset by jokes about prison, and so let's focus on something more positive. And I was like, fuck you. <laughs> I'm the justice-affected person, you <laughs> condescending piece of shit. Yeah. You're going to tell me that I'm so fucking fragile that I can't listen to a joke about prison. And I just thought, oh, my gosh, okay, well, clearly I haven't used this thing right. So I typed in there again and went, okay, uh Good jokes about, you know, people in the prison system or whatever. I just tried to change the wording. Same thing came up again. And I was really disappointed because I thought it's such an indictment by the people who are programming these things that you think people are so fragile that humor is something which is just not able to be engaged with. And again, particularly for me, hey, I'm the person you're trying to protect. I don't appreciate it. You know, words are not violence. Anyone who's been punched in the face knows the difference between being punched in the face and being called a name. They're not the same thing. Mm. And I think if we can't develop the resilience to be able to deal with, you know, jokes and humor, even if we don't like it or agree with it, then, hey, we're going to have a hard time with life. Absolutely. And so there you go. I was less than impressed (laughs) with my AI experience. Is it an upcoming book? Dr. Paul Wood's top 10 jokes <laughs> and, the, and the psychology behind them. Hey, man, I tell you what, I have got an upcoming book, and the book is called Better Never Stops. Boom. And it's about the importance of pursuing your potential in the areas that matter and having the mindsets that will enable you to do that. Yeah. Hey, Beautiful. come back from wherever you've been and get to wherever you want to go. Look forward to seeing you next time, brother. Thank you. Always a pleasure. <laughs> This episode of A Beacon of Hope is proudly brought to you by Campfire Studios. Campfire Studios is an impact-led organisation amplifying the voices of Māori and Pacifica communities via podcasting and video content. To find out more, visit campfirestudios.co.nz. Two, three, four... Thank you for tuning in to this frequency of hope in our podcast today. If you found value from this episode and want to hear more, I would love it if you could follow, subscribe and rate our show. By doing so, you will increase the frequency of the Beacon of Hope.
So if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other platform, please take a moment to hit the follow or subscribe button and leave a rating and review. I truly appreciate your support and feedback, and it helps us make our podcast even better. Thank you. Be good. Be safe. And be happy. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like that song, doesn't it? Be happy. All right, Mama, we stop there, eh? Yeah, okay. okay. All right.